0: Hello and welcome to Movies with Dave, the podcast in which we talk about movies that we think that Dave will like. My name is Andrew Kramer. And I'm Pablo.
1: And I'm Dave Spitzfaden.
0: Well, we have quite a doozy, I think, coming up. Uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Magnolia. How, how, are we, how are we feeling just emotionally just before Labor Day and recording this? Uh, how, how do we feel like we're how are you guys feeling about tackling this whale um
1: i had to i actually split this into two viewing sessions because it was it was just too long for me <laughs> it,
2: um yeah it took me like five hours to finish this movie
1: it's a three-hour also movie. also i'll be honest i thought that we were recording on thursday so at
0: 6 p.m i decided to finish it so <laughs> Hmm. Sliding right in um, before our 8.30 viewing time. It was
2: it was hard, I think. Um, not as hard as I thought when I looked at the monumental, you know, three-hour runtime. Um, but I definitely feel like, um, unfortunately, now uh, it's really hard to pay attention to things. So, you know, you like pause it and like look at your phone and then... Um, Pause it some more, go to a bathroom, order some food. Um, So it's hard to just give, you know, three hours uh, of your time to like sit down and watch uh, a movie. And that's just, I guess, the way uh, media and how connected we are with, uh, you know, um,
0: electronics, the internet, uh, social media. Yeah. I think that we definitely have a problem with uh, obsession with with media. And I think that there's too many people out there. Talking about movies and publishing more content that they can blast into their ears. We need to end it. Um, I mean, so many,
2: so many men starting podcasts <laughs> during the pandemic,
0: right? Um, okay, yeah. So my my viewing experience was uh, a little different. I think I watched this on Saturday night because I was ready for the possibility of recording on sunday and i was feeling pretty tired i didn't know how long the movie was going to be and it was you know 9 p.m and I, oh man this is three hours and i turned it on uh you know nobody else was around not not even the dog and i put my phone across the room a and creature i just, was stirring not even yeah not, not a creature was stirring i was not stirring and i just later i didn't even take any notes or or anything i was very t- but like i didn't move for the whole three hours jawed to the floor. I I was nuts about this movie. Um, what for, for me, it by felt... By the way,
2: what movie are we talking about? We've been just shooting this shit without even saying what movie we are talking about.
0: I, I did say Magnolia uh, at the top. But this is the 1999 film Magnolia uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, he is notable for releasing uh, a couple other movies. His biggest is probably um, oh, yes. There Will Be... Blood, um, um Nights. Phantom
2: Thread too, I'd say. Uh,
0: the, master the master, Punch Drunk, Punch strong Turns love. out a lot of the movies, yeah, a yeah, lot of good movies. A lot of people consider him like an a- auteur, you know, uh, one of these folks who just has the whole movie and has complete control and is able to build it. Uh, one f- interesting thing is that uh, this is his third movie, so the first one. Uh, I believe was Heart Eight, um, which has a lot of the characters in this one, um, which I believe came out four years before, so uh, 1995. Wait, Th- this, this is a sequel? No, this is, like, no. <laughs> It's just he, he, he he's known for using um, the same actors. Yeah, the same actors. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so the characters. I was like, dude, what? He, yeah, exactly. John C. Riley's in that one. Uh, Philip Baker Hall is in it. Uh, and then two years later, uh, he released Boogie Nights, one of my favorite movies, which is about uh, you know the uh, the quote the golden age of porn. And uh, that's with Mark Wahlberg and Julianne Moore, right? Exactly. Julianne shows up in this. Yes she does. And
1: William Macy nice. and John C. Riley. Yeah. Is it the uh, same
0: movie? <laughs> uh slightly slightly different plot. Talk about um, John C. Riley
2: doing dramas. You know, I feel like um not too familiar with him, but I feel like he I, I just know him for the other guys. Yeah, and uh, the other guys. No, no step brothers. Step brothers. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, no, but he, Wreck-It he's... Ralph. <laughs> exactly, it's just a lot of comedy. Oh yeah, John C. Riley, the guy in Wreck-It <laughs> Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is this is his third movie. It came out in 1999, and uh, he wrote and directed this movie, uh, which is super impressive considering how intricate this plot is and how well it's directed, and how mammoth it is. But also considering that. Uh, this was released when he was 28 years old which is remarkable like you know i've we've been able to record a handful of uh, a podcast that has no script uh and i'm 30 years old and this is my greatest achievement i'm positive we could (laughs) film a better movie you're positive we could film a
1: better movie it sounds like Pablo didn't like this movie uh, no, are, are I we gonna think, are we just gonna I just get think we into have a like, lot of potential well are we gonna get into initial reactions
0: yeah let's that... uh let, let, let's let's just get our our initial reaction before we jump into uh the summary so pa- Pablo come on you got something on your mind
2: no 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 I think um I think Dave should start <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure um I had high expectations for this movie I feel like I it's so far it's the movie that I've looked forward to the most. In doing this podcast, oh wow, uh, wow, yeah, uh, I I did not enjoy it. I'll just I'll say wow. it. Wow.
0: Did you, um, have you seen Boogie Nights or anything?
1: I had not seen Boogie Nights. Uh, and there are things that I I get why people would like it, and I and there were things that I did like about it. Like I thought the kind of undertone of the classical music that was kind of like churning it along. Mm-hmm. I, I liked I liked John that Brian. a lot. Yeah. Um I just thought that it was like I stopped watching it. I intended to sit down and watch it in one go and I got halfway through and I was like I cannot finish this right now. Um and then had to kind of like drag myself to to watch the rest of it.
0: Interesting. Pablo? Um I think first
2: of all, I think the movie could have been um at least like thirty to 45 minutes shorter and <laughs> it would have been the exact same thing. Um, I like some things I think it's an interesting movie, but it didn't really it didn't really move me. Oh, wow. um, I think that there are a lot of very powerful scenes in this movie uh, for sure. Um, but I just think that um, I would have been a lot more interested to maybe see a little bit more of each character rather than see a lot of characters um inter semi interconnected gotcha. um so to me it's just a collection of really good scenes rather than of uh, something that you know like is cohesive and and moves me but that's just me though i know gotcha. maybe uh, i'm
0: interesting to hear what you what maybe
1: you pablo and i just don't like film maybe Yeah. yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, you guys are more into movies, but as soon as we start to dip our toes into films, you guys fall off the wagon. Um, I I loved this movie. Um, I kind of knew that I was going to love it. Um, if you guys didn't like this, I definitely don't recommend that you watch Hard Eight because it's um, it doesn't have as many plots going on and characters going on. But, uh, you know, it definitely... Pushes you, and I think that Mm -hmm. this—that's what this movie does as well. It really just kind of pushes the audience to see these flawed characters and look at all of these relationships, and you know what is uh, asking questions like what is family, what is love, um, what what is somebody's responsibility to another person. Uh, I'm a sucker for long shots, so like you know, there's you know. An unbroken, uh, you know, one hundred and thirty-five second uh, long shot when they're bringing the kid into the uh, the game show the studio, right? Yeah. yeah, in the studio. That, that is a
2: that's a good scene.
0: I'm, I'm nuts about all of that. I, I thought that all of the characters gave standout performances. Like, I, I've got like a, a thing here that shows like their names and faces on the side, but every single one of these characters. I'm not like, uh, oh, who was this? How, how were they related? And the, the fact that I'm able to so quickly internalize all of these characters in this web, and to me, it had me wondering how it was all going to work out, um, I was nuts about. It. I think it does take a little bit of a misstep uh, at the end, um, which we'll, we'll cover in the, in the summary, um, with the, when it goes into the supernatural um but i i really really liked it i mean t-
1: that was actually one of the more interesting things to me is like the i just i felt like the theme of like what is relationships and like what is coincidence and like what do we owe the people in our lives all of those i just felt like it was a lot of movie for like a theme that has been asked a lot in literature and movies before I guess. I I think that I also just I'm not huge into like the idea of like, you know, um predest like predetermined fate or like figuring out what what like how you can you know interchange that or like decide things to change what's gonna happen. Uh I think is kinda of why I didn't like it a whole lot. So let me
2: let me just get this straight, Dave. You like you believe in free
1: will, or you, and you don't believe in destiny? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I necessarily know what I believe. I just I just think that there are. I, I think that there was like a lot of movie to. Like go over a lot of those sort of like cliche things that have been asked for a very long time Yeah, yeah. like and maybe this um, is one of those things where it's like it came out in 1999 And so it like wasn't that cliche or like something like that I mean that's entire
0: plot of lost man free will versus premeditation. sure Should we go through uh, The plot overview um, so that then we can start talking about uh, specifics Sure, sure. Yeah
2: Okay, um, that's it. I, I do think we should. Um, I think we should mention the first uh, scene that's actually completely unrelated to the plot. Yes. Um, I would say it's the what's the opposite of the epilogue? Prologue. Prologue. The prologue. Exactly. Do you want to describe it, Pablo? <laughs> well, it's um, kind of the prologue and the. epilogue. Sure. Though. Actually, I, this. Um, so this prologue, I really like that, and I think this is might be, uh, honestly this might be the reason why I, maybe I didn't enjoy this movie as much. Um, but I thought it was going to be a completely different movie just because, um, we have, basically it's, uh, the product just talks about a lot of random events that happen that have all these crazy coincidences. Um, like for example, one of them is, um, the story of two men who meet at a casino. One of them is a dealer. The other one is like a, a drunk who's, um, just gambling a lot. And turns out the gambler is a firefighter. Um, and there's a big forest fire. And then it also turns I actually really like this scene, mm-hmm. but uh, turns out, for example, the, the dealer is um, a diver. So, anyway, this guy scuba is. Diver. A fi- exactly, scuba diver. So, this guy's a fighter, uh, not fighter pilot, but I guess firefighter pilot. Um, you know, plane lands in the water to uh, get water. Uh, to like toss it on the trees or whatever, spray it, and then it um, like grabs the scuba diver and like sucks him in, um, and then the scuba diver dies um, on top of a tree, and then this guy realizes like, oh, this is the guy I saw the casino, and I screamed that, uh, and kills himself. Just uh, it, it really goes into like chance and mm-hmm. coincidences, and there is another one uh that is about the suicide of a guy who like jumps off the roof and his mom kills him um and he would have survived the suicide so i thought it was going to go she kill him oh it was crazy there so this guy is going to kill himself but it turns out they just installed a net below the building so he's not gonna die so basically he jumps out the window well out the um like top how do you say it top the roof whatever terrace roof Um, And his parents are, like, down below in the building having a a fight uh, with a rifle that apparently is never loaded. And, you know, the mom threatens the dad, shoots a gun, which is never loaded. uh, But this guy, the son, ends up actually loading it beforehand. Uh, Anyways, she misses, goes through the window, kills the son, who's, like, falling down. Um, Is this the gun safety movie? (laughs) Apparently. No, no, no. But uh, what I'm getting is like, it really, really goes into that theme. And I just didn't really see it. uh, Other than, yeah, a lot of the characters in this movie are connected. But they're connected by relationships, not necessarily by chance. Um, Except for maybe like a couple of them later down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought it was going to be a lot... I guess and and
0: like the way the freakier. way that it's the way yeah the way that it's shot is that it, it's like really quick like you know uh one one of the 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 dealer was Patton Oswald and it's like Patton Oswald was a dealer who was serving he just so happened and it's all voiceover yeah, yeah, and, and it it's like, snappy you know scene yeah, scene scene and then it's
2: almost like a different film I think yeah uh, you think you're gonna get
0: like a quirky uh
2: interesting well, maybe not interesting, but just a quirky movie with a narrator and a lot of, like, funny things happening. Yeah. Um. And then it just, you know, it's a
1: full-fledged drama.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's a drama, uh, you know, with the focus on the characters. Um, but, I mean,
1: it, but, it, like, that, that prologue of that storyline is mm-hmm. I actually, I disagree. I feel like it does kind of set the table for saying, like, now we're going to see all of these relationships throughout the entire movie that are all interconnected, and they're, like, based in Relationships and like childhood trauma and stuff, and how it like results in what ends up happening. It's like it's just like a smaller version of the movie,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: I, I then I get then
0: I disagree because the, the relationships are not as extreme as they were in the prologue. Like yeah. the guy gets shot by his mom while he is falling, you know, while, while when he jumped off of the roof, yeah, like, that yeah. Is, Total chance. So whereas that,
2: the I, the movie is a lot like in real life is like oh I know a guy who knows a guy and you know six six degrees of separation and you're
1: separated at the most by six people from anyone. Yeah, Earth. but the at the, the reason level. that the son the reason that like the son loaded the gun is because he knew that his parents were going to fight and that mm-hmm. affected him and he like didn't like his life because of that and like there and then as a result he when he's jumping off the building he gets shot. Which yeah. is, like, also why a lot of... It's, like, why Claudia had, like, a Coke problem is because her dad abused her. And it's, like... Like, it's all... It's just... It's faster and smaller and quicker, but I feel like it is a kind of, like, appetizer to the, like, main course of what the movie is.
2: I don't know, Dave. It sounds like you actually like the movie, so maybe just <laughs> we'll switch see. over to Andrew's uh, side. Yeah. We'll,
0: we'll see. We'll see where where we all uh, end by, by the time that we're done... Uh, Talking about fun. Yeah, so, okay, so now let's get into the meat of it. So, this is going to be difficult since it's all interconnected. It switches back and forth really, really quickly. Um, So, there are, I would say, nine main characters in the show. And I would say that there are uh, three main clusters of groups that everybody is connected in some way. We're we're looking at a little chart to remind us, uh, you know, everything that's going on. Um but the the two main groups is um what I'll call the the earl group um which is uh consists of uh, a man is on his deathbed, he's in his, uh, I think, late 60s, early 70s, um, dying of lung cancer. He's being treated by Phil, uh, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, who is his nurse, his hospice nurse, who's staying at uh, Earl's home. Um, We see Linda, um, who is played by Julianne Moore, uh, who is Earl's very young, um, troubled wife, and um, somehow related to this group is uh, Frank, uh, who is a woman-hating... Uh, uh,
1: incel before yeah, Incel in, existed.
0: Yeah, Incel before Incel, a uh, pickup artist, I think is the, like he, he's a pickup artist spokesman kind of guy. And he's got advertisements on TV and in like Hustler and Playboy and that sort of thing. So that, that's what we'll call the Earl group. Then there is what I will call um, the Game Show Group, um, which is the story of um, the host of a long-running Jeopardy-like show um, where kids compete against adults, um, hosted by this guy named Jimmy. Uh, He's been doing it for like 30 years, and he finds out that he's dying. And we also have a young boy in there, um, and also his dad, um, who is kind of the know-it-all uh, contestant. He gets a this Stanley kid gets a lot of pressure from his dad, just constantly. And later in the story, you even hear how Stanley's dad is like berating him like yeah exactly it's just like why do you have all these books like why like i I gotta take you to school i've gotten auditions screw you man uh and then like later on when the the parents are talking uh, amongst the contestants it's like no no like you need to like confuse them you need to think that they're always not good enough because then they're going to work harder to please you so he's like intentionally gaslighting his son um so there's everything that's going on with the game show I will mm-hmm. say
1: that The Dying Man Earl is mm-hmm. an executive producer on uh, that TV show. Yes, uh, which is... So there is a connection. Yes.
0: Oh, which wow. is, I actually
2: even get that.
0: Yeah, that, that was the thing that I had the hardest time. I was like, how do we cross this bridge? That is something that uh, I missed in watching and found out um, through a little bit of research. Because I was like, it can't just be a story about two, two main groups. Um, then I'll, I'll call this other cluster... Um, the uh the jim cluster and again these are all related jim not to be confused with the old man jimmy uh played by um john John c C. riley Riley. uh is a young cop in la uh and he runs into claudia who happens to be jimmy's daughter um claudia is doing an unbelievable amount of cocaine Uh, And blasting music and he comes in and he helps her try to neutralize the situation and then eventually uh, they actually end up starting to go on a date. Uh, In a very uncomfortable scene. Yes. Um, We'll we'll get to all of that. and then uh, eventually, Jim, uh, after the weird thing that happens, runs into a character named Donnie, uh, and Donnie is, I think, the most random character in the show. He is—he was a former contestant in the show like thirty years ago. Um, He's later on helped by Jim, but his story is mostly by himself, in which uh, he was famous on the show. He's no longer famous. He's in money trouble. He's losing his job. He desperately wants to get braces because the the man that he loves, this beefy bartender, uh, also has braces. And he thinks that by getting $5,000 wor- uh, worth of oral surgery, then this guy is going to fall in love with him. So that's... That's... Those are the connections. Uh, and then all sorts of things kind of work out from here. Uh, for instance, Earl, uh, the, the producer, the dying producer, uh, whispers to Philip Seymour Hoffman, the nurse, uh, I want to see Frank, uh, Tom Cruise. So uh, eventually we find how we learn more about that messed up relationship. And you are questioning, why does Philip Seymour Hoffman want to try so hard to help? Um, Uh, eventually Stanley pees his pants during the show like uh, you know and his he knows that his dad's gonna be mad at him but like did he almost make sure to pee his pants on purpose Uh, because like he uh, of the stress of everything that he's going on or is it something that was just going to happen Uh, Jim and Claudia eventually go on a date even though he's a cop and she is a clearly a messed up drug addict Um, but you know he has a lot of issues himself and they get to understand each other and I what I love about this movie is just every single interaction to me meant something and made me want to know how everything was going to resolve. Uh, and to me, I, I found all of that, that very powerful. Um, so do you guys want to add anything to that, that summary? Um, or, um, is there anything That's in particular true. that you want to you want to hit on? I was thinking that we might spend I mean, a individual... lot of
1: the yeah. a lot of the like plot is sort of driven by those relationships and I think mm-hmm. all of those relationships that you described like uh Frankie the pickup artist and Jimmy Gator or not Jimmy Gator, Frankie and his dad Earl who is a dying man, mm-hmm. like Earl like abandoned him as a kid mm-hmm. and then also like Jimmy Gator who is Claudia's dad like like abused her molested her as a kid so like there's mm-hmm. another alleged, uh, alleged well he doesn't yeah. know it definitely he doesn't even know happened. yeah it, mean, if
0: you say you don't know yeah he definitely you definitely did it you did it and then and then like you, yeah
1: yeah and then like the stanley the child contestant and his dad clearly yeah, yeah. an abusive relationship just, there so like I, and um yeah there's just like childhood uh, child abuse and uh Messed up parent relationships yeah, sort of yeah. There isn't really Which, a, a whole it,
2: lot of plot. I think it's just like these people going through, um, going through their dealing with their trauma. Dealing yeah, with mm-hmm. trauma. Yeah, that's kind of what the movie specifically.
1: About. Their trauma related to their parents,
0: or their gun, or their gun. But I mean, in people a way, in America.
1: They're... That is their parents' problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. Um. Yeah. So, um, that was a movie, guys. okay so there's a couple things that i i kind of wanted to um highlight here so um uh unpopular opinion popular opinion uh i think tom cruise is a bad guy i think he's a fantastic actor and i think he does i thought that so true yeah unbelievable job in this movie and honestly i felt so uncomfortable watching him because uh, his his arc is mostly you see him and it starts and it's like, like I'm a pickup artist and what, what, yeah. what was the slogan? It's like, seduce uh, and destroy. Seduce, seduce and, and destroy, destroy is yeah. the name of his seminar in in relation to women and just like the intensity that you see behind his eyes. And it's like, honestly, I, I in my notes, incredible I called it the, the Scientology Twinkle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the yeah, Scientology yeah. Twinkle is there. And it's just like, you know, and he's still got the uh, Mission Impossible 2 long <laughs> yeah, hair. It's like, uh, was it an incredible
1: acting job or is he really just that crazy? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it feels
2: like he turned that normalness dial down. Just like, okay, I have to act normal notes. And turned it down, and
0: then he became more of himself. Uh, But it wasn't such a good performance for him. He had to make a decision, though, to turn that down. And the character Frankie, I think, is so well realized. Yeah, and I, I I wrote in my notes
2: like,
1: "Dude, what the fuck? (laughs) Tom Cruise can act." He won. uh, He won best supporting actor for it.
2: Wait, seriously?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and this film was also nominated for best picture
2: what was your favorite oh wow what was your favorite tom cruise moment in
0: this movie my favorite (laughs) tom cruise moment um so he it starts and he's giving the seminar and then there's a break in which he goes into the interview and she starts asking a whole bunch of questions and starts pointing out that like uh his mom He says that his mom is alive, and then she's like, oh, well, it kind of seems like that your mom's dead. And, oh, you actually didn't go to college. And uh, who is your dad? Your dad's actually alive, and he's this person. And, like, he gets furious at her, but it's not like a a rage. It's just a cold, (laughs) staring. Yeah. So that's all the background. My favorite moment was he goes back on stage, you know, for, uh, for seduce and destroy. And he's like, open your blue booklets to page 18, which he had said earlier in the thing. And he's like, Uh. And then he walks over to his table that's got like water and papers and mm. stuff, just a foldable table, and he just flips, flips it. it, and he goes, I was wrong. Like, open your white books to page 32. And I was that's just so like, scene. <laughs> whoa.
2: Honestly, I think that that looks like it was improvised. That level of rage. And like flipping the table, I can't see it being in the script. Yeah, uh, oh, who I, the fuck knows? I'm just a guy talking about movies.
0: Well, yeah, like a lot, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, uh, the amount of direction from the sort of things that I've heard, the amount of direction that a character gets is usually pretty slim. Like it is, mm-hmm. it's the actor's job to find the character based and off it, the script. It seems like Tom Cruise would be a heart, you know, a guy who is probably not directed a lot by directors. Uh, yeah, I don't think that tom cruise gives a fuck exactly
2: exactly <laughs> he's even shit
0: um, um and maybe maybe we can just tie up his arc real real quick um his, his arc eventually um he's reached out to by philip seymour hoffman and uh he eventually is able to sit with his dad who is dying and he basically just says like fuck you i hate you yeah. but at the same time like he's not like he came and he's still there and he's crying and like, but he's breaking down in front of him. Like you, fuck you. I'm not gonna,
2: I'm not gonna cry in front of you. And, uh, he eventually clearly does. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think it's incredible because he kind of, I don't, I don't want to say devolves, but he, his emotions turned back to the time when he was a child and his mm-hmm. dad left yeah. and he had to take care of his mother and then he never even called her when he, when, when she was sick yeah. um i this was actually my favorite character like character arc um and i think the something that makes this a lot more um, a lot more deep is that uh, before tom cruise shows up to um see his dad in in, in his death death the, dad can, the dad basically says like this is the biggest regret of my life mm-hmm. and um to the, to the nurse the male nurse who's played by uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman mm-hmm. and you can see he really regrets it it's that, uh, and he says like all those things that i wanted to be um they don't matter because i just regretted everything that i did um to my wife uh, the only, you know, I usually write a lot of quotes for movies in, uh, in my notes. And the only one I wrote of this movie was one that, that the dad said um, that basically he said, I wanted to be a man and I didn't want her to be a woman, uh, you know, a smart, free person who was something. So basically the dad's just going and talking about, you know, that stereotype of being a guy who cheats on his wife, mm-hmm. you know, very 60s, I feel like, and just regrets everything in the end. But. What really drives home, I think, this uh, minute plot forward is that he never gets to say that to Tom Cruise, who's his son. Yeah. Uh, he's like already incoherent. Yep. By probably, um, you know, metric fuckton of morphine. Yep. But he never gets to say that to Tom Cruise, and Tom mm-hmm. Cruise is breaking down. And the only person who's, um, who's really witnessed this is Philip Simon. Seymour Hoffman, who's the mm-hmm. nurse, but he never actually tells Tom Cruise, like, oh, you're that, actually is. Um, yeah. actually apologize for it. He just yeah. kind of cries at the end of the movie, which I thought this is, yeah, by far my favorite part of, of the movie, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, Dave, did you have um, a character besides uh, Frank, uh, played by Tom Cruise, that you, that you? Uh, that- you found particularly interesting or at least noteworthy
1: um i think that this might actually be why i don't really like this movie that much i really like to like characters and Mm -hmm. i just don't really think that there were any characters that i felt what like i could like like
2: (laughs) dude how can you not like stanley stanley the manly
1: uh, yeah i mean stanley the kid i think he was interesting but like you know he's just a kid
2: yeah dude i you oh, know I what, could... you know
1: what i actually you know what i so there i was actually pablo as you were talking i was thinking there's also the um the witness to the murder who's a kid
2: oh yeah the kids are and, great in this movie right? yeah and they're, 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 the they're kind of like
1: who are blameless and they're also like all-knowing yeah exactly like and so i thought like i think the kids were interesting um maybe it's uh an allegory for like child
2: purity or something innocence.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean Stanley was like the only one that was unsurprised when the frogs started raining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um do you want to describe what That's great. That whole just thing. like it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just it just sort of happened. I don't know. Or Dave describes <laughs> this
2: this scene this crazy scene. I was just gonna you... say, get the kid some fucking pants, man. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? All all the time they're wasting this this time. They know the kid like peed his pants, and they can't go find a fucking pair of pants for the well, kid. And like the while the guy while the host is just having a heart attack. Fuck.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a discombobulating scene because it's kind of like the climax of everything comes together. It's like the so the kid is on a winning streak on the game show mm-hmm. and it's, by the way he, dave is big into game shows I, I do love it's part of the reason i was so
0: excited to watch this movie <laughs> <laughs> you're just disappointed that it wasn't just jeopardy the whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah true
1: um and the like there, he's about to like break the record. Um, he knows that there's a lot of pressure on him, like from his dad and the audience and everyone. Um, and he's about they're about to lose to the adults. It's it's the game shows kids versus adults. But, and but you should also add what happens to
2: Stanley? Why does he stop stop answering questions? He well, he has to, he like pees his pants. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. has
1: to pee and nobody's listening to him. And the he kid. starts. Yep, and he like pees his pants, and then it's like the final round, and they, the kids have to choose one kid to go up to the front. And uh, they they obviously want Stanley because he's, like, the best. And Stanley's like, I'm not going up there. I peed my pants. Um, and so as that is happening, Jimmy Gator has a heart attack. The, the Or not a heart attack. He's, like, dying of cancer. And he, like, mm-hmm. collapses on stage. Um, and then I'm honestly not really sure where it goes. Like, everything just sort of happens. And the... Um, William Macy, who is like the former whiz kid, is like running through the streets, and John C. C. Riley, Riley, the police police officer, is like trying to help him and like chasing him, and then like the, the, William Macy is like on the building and he's like shouting down to John C. Riley, and then all of a sudden it just starts raining frogs
0: big Mm. frogs like big frogs frogs. straight out of the bible (laughs) like everywhere like millions of frogs falling from the sky and up until this point nothing had been supernatural yeah exactly nothing had been supernatural or anything like that and then all of a sudden like in the final act frogs fall from the sky um which I still don't and, really know how to interpret. Uh, if I'm well, right. and, then,
1: and then Stanley, well, okay, so, I mean, it's hard, to, yeah, I mean, we can talk about what it means, right? Like, yeah. one of them is, like, it's a, in the Bible, it's like a plague, and it's like a mm-hmm. punishment, and so it could be, like, a punishment for, like, these adults treating these kids terribly, mm-hmm. um, but on the other hand, I think that this is kind of where the predestination themes come in, of, like, Stanley being like, well, it is what it is, it's just raining frogs, can't mm-hmm. do anything about it. And it's just <laughs> kind of like that's what these relationships are. They're like can't do anything about it. it just kind of happens.
0: I don't know if that's how that. I don't know if that's my. I, you, you've mentioned this pre predestination thing quite a few times, and I, I I don't know if I really got that as a main theme of the movie. Uh, the, and maybe this is one of the reasons why I, I ended up liking it a little bit more is uh, like for me, a lot of this was about um, about a couple of things. It's about, in a way, how small you are, because there's so many people with other problems and, you know, in the moment, it's completely about you. But then there's, uh, there's other people with other things going on. But I think the main thing it was, you know, centered around uh, forgiveness uh, and understanding. Um, and uh, and trying to figure out what is forgivable and what is not forgivable. Uh, because I think that throughout the movie, you see characters having agency and making decisions. And yes, occasionally things happen that are out of your control, um, but a lot of steps are taken um, for the things that you can control. Um, for yep. instance, uh, William H. Macy's uh, plot, you know, he really wants to, he's in a bind, he wants to get money, he wants to get braces, Um, so he eventually gets fired from the, like, uh, the tech sales job that he has, Uh, and then he still has the keys, though, he's got a copy of them, so he you know, bundles up in dark colors, he breaks in, and then he takes all the stuff, and then he's driving away, and he has a moment in which he's like, what am I doing? And then he turns around, and uh, he attempts to return the money. Uh, But the key broke the door, so that's why he's climbing up the building, and then starts raining frogs, and he ironically gets his teeth knocked out in the fall. But, like, he makes the decision to change yeah. the thing that he's doing. Um, you know, it, it, like we we do have agency. We can make the choices even if it sometimes requires us literally falling on our face.
1: Yeah, but I think at the so maybe I think that this might be why I didn't like it and why we might disagree some like at the end of the day it came down to like you can try to change things and like you should try to forgive people for like what they've done, and you should try to like do all these things. But also, there are just things that happen, and that sucks. And
0: yeah, and that's I'm, just I'm kind okay of, with like a non. I, I'm I'm comfortable with a non dualistic, you know, interpretation right. to reality. Like you can have both things, and I think that that's one of the reasons why I like it is because, uh, a lot of the times it's things are either. Um, well, that's just the way that things happen, or it's you know family and forgiveness is all. Yeah. But I think that it's it's but this this combination of these um, realities that that makes the message stronger for me.
2: Yeah, to me, this movie is very much about people who are haunted by their past, mm-hmm. um, because it's very clear you know everyone is haunted by their past except for the kids, right? Um, except for the rapper kid. <laughs> who's hilarious and then <laughs> but
1: yeah but what's happening to the kids will haunt them for the rest of their lives exactly exactly yeah. we're,
2: you're you're kind of and you know the the small kid uh, who's a rapper i guess not so much but especially with stanley you almost can't you can see that he's maybe a representation of the you know of william h macy's character who's donnie right um, because they were both mm-hmm. um yep. like with uh, game show kids and there's two other things that I, two recurring themes that I, you know, besides this, like, haunted by a past thing that's going on. Um, two more themes that I'd like to discuss with you guys, but I didn't, I didn't quite uh, know what they mean. I, I, you know, I saw that they're, they're recurring themes in this movie, but I don't know what they mean. Um, so I'm bringing them to the table. The first one is, um, you know, cancer, um, this the disease. Uh, there's a lot of characters in the plot, both uh, in the movie and mentioned just in the movie that, that are dying or died from cancer. One of them, for example, is um, Tom Cruise's mom and then obviously his dad. And mm-hmm. then uh, then you have the game, uh, game show host who also um, died of cancer. So a couple of characters here and there. I think there's, there might be a couple more. Um, but I think, you know, not as smart enough to say what it represents, but I think uh, it, it probably means something
0: in this movie. And then the other one that life I is do, uh, the way I would I would yeah, it. That is life is just full of cancers, you know, well, cancers. Yes, things you can't escape. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, Cancer is something you often can't escape. Yes, but how you respond to them is something that you can choose. Yes, like it's again, uh, it's it's both. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that yeah. your, your point is not. Yeah, so it's it's both uh, and uh, how, how people react to the things that are going to happen to them. Um, okay. I like that. I like that interpretation. Um, Then the other one, and
2: I don't know if you guys actually know uh, or notice this, but this movie talks a lot about about the weather. Um, There's title cards, black, between maybe the... Acts or something. Each hours or acts, exactly where they say like, oh, this day, weather is sunny. And then when the game show climax of the movie, emotional climax maybe, not, not the frog scene, but the, the game show when, when Stanley pees himself mm-hmm. and all that, um, they say, oh, it's raining, um, you know, the, the black title screen. And then at the end, also a different weather one. And throughout the movie, uh, especially during the game show stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of characters say this one phrase uh, that's, man, it's really raining cats and dogs. <laughs> Several characters mentioned this, and you know, it's not a very common expression, but a lot of them mentioned this. Um, I, I, I know it's a pretty common expression, yeah. I don't yeah. know, Mexico. I don't know, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, you have four different characters who say this in a movie. Um, that's yeah. to me, that's not normal, screen, you know, script writing, or right? Screenwriting, whatever. right? I mean, it, again, something so, that very deliberate,
1: right? I, I mean, to me, that is like another you can't control the weather, there are things that happen. And you, and to like Andrew's point, yeah, you can like put an umbrella on, wear warm clothes, but like s- there are still things that are going to happen that you can't control.
2: Yeah, but What do the cat and dog mean? <laughs> that's
1: what I want to know. I, I don't think that means. I don't know. I think it's just anything. the weather thing.
2: I don't know, Dave. I'm gonna have to tweet, tweet Thomas.
0: Uh, uh yeah. PTA. Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. There we go. PTA. Um, So I want to talk about Jim, the cop.
2: (laughs) Jim, the cop, the one who is haunted by,
0: you know, haunted by losing his gun. Haunted by losing his gun. So I thought that. I I understand Dave's point. He doesn't really like anybody. That's fine. Uh but I loved feeling uncomfortable about Jim the cop. Uh yeah. John C. Riley has a big mustache. Uh he's a cop. Um I think that at the beginning it's got like little bits of him, you know, with those like weird nineties uh like videos for like dating. Phone dating. Yeah. 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 Like, and I, I really like, like, and he's one of those people that, like, you know, feels really, you know, really wants to do the right thing and has but routine they, and.
2: And they do, sort of, mention that he people make fun of him at work. Some something la- like later that, right? on. Later yeah. on,
0: yeah, um, but he's like one of these people, um, you know, if you uh, what is it? Like myers Brig. like he would be like a J for like, you know, um, like jud- judger sort of situation, you know, where he, he knows that he's right or like he's got an opinion he's going to try hard and, you know, you hide weakness, um, and you keep on going forward. And, um, there's, he gets called, you know, driving around, uh, where he has to, um, There's, like, a a noise complaint. There's a loud crash and screaming in this apartment. He uh, goes in. Uh, There's this black woman who's like, you can't come in here. And, like, I don't know what his rights are for going in there uh, were. And his, like, she was being, um, you know, she was shouting at him, but he was also very much shouting at her. I don't think that he was uh, navigating the situation in a way that would have actually really... Led to a good de escalation. Um, but there did end up being like a body in the apartment. Um, and I forget yeah. where. Somehow the dead body is somehow connected to somebody else in the story. I don't re- remember exactly Wait, how. Which. Uh, the oh, dead yeah, body. To the,
2: to the cop,
0: right? Um, because the cop finds it. Yeah, the cop finds it. But uh, I think that that character was supposed to be somehow linked to somebody else. That doesn't matter. But like, really, it was just like, ugh, I. You know, it's like very much like try-hard energy, like, you know, going to do whatever it has to do in order to seek justice. Um, And then later on, he has, in the same day, a very similar interaction with uh, the character Claudia, um, who is, um, I don't, I wasn't familiar with her as an actress, I don't see the name here off my, I think I've seen her a couple of movies, but But she, she's the daughter of Jimmy and you see her just doing an unbelievable amount of Coke, um, throughout the movie, like so much cocaine and she is just blasting music. Um, and uh, you know, she's obviously traumatized, like her dad came and said, "I'm dying of cancer." and she just nonstop screamed at him. Um, so she's obviously in a bad mood. She's obviously high as a kite. Um, and John C. Riley comes in and this really uncomfortable situation of where he clearly kind of likes her and she she's is very uncomfortable. Right? She's very uncomfortable because she's high as a kite, uh, and, um all of this but then somehow in between that and these two very different personalities somebody who really is traumatized and somebody who really cares about things ends up having a connection um throughout the the thing and later on he's like uh this is probably inappropriate but like i would i would love to take you out on a date and she's like uh, actually you know, love. excited Lovely. about it," which i thought was really yeah it really ended up being cute and like you know she's been like so disheveled the whole movie but then like she takes a shower she gets like nice looking and then you're just like really interested to see where it goes and then through that like you see him that he he is flawed like he loses his gun and he's a laughingstock of the of the police force um and like Forty cops have to get pulled in to help find where the lost gun is, and they can't find it. And they they share that over the date. So I I don't know like that because whole... the kid took it. Yeah, the, exactly. The kid from the beginning of the movie. So I I agree that that like so one thing
1: that I thought about while I was watching it um, was. I think Andrew, I think you both took the class masculinity in American film. I did not take no, that. I one. did not uh, take that. No. I don't believe well, in mind. American film. For some reason, I thought you both did. But like you and I have talked a lot about those films. Yeah, but I think it, I think that one of the questions that like came up for me in watching it that oh. I actually didn't necessarily see in the very quick uh, Google searches I did before talking about it is like the masculinity tropes in this and like mm-hmm. what is masculinity. Because like, you obviously have like Tom Cruise, who is like pickup artist, super sexualized, mm-hmm. um, and then He's you also have, it, and then you also have Jim, who is like literally loses his gun, <laughs> yeah, um, can't get a date, uh, but seemingly wants to be a good guy, mm-hmm. um, and I think that it like probably in 1999 when the movie came out, being a cop was a little bit more of a less controversial
0: thing to be but that is like i don't know i still think you know, that this was around the riots yeah back then as well like i i yeah I, I i think it does not go out of its way to portray him in a good light being a cop fair yeah uh, but i agree that it
1: like the questions raised of like what exactly is masculinity what is being like a good man in mm-hmm. it, are raised in like specifically jim and like trying to get a date, not being able to get a date, and then kind of like, almost like abusing his power to then have a date with Claudia.
2: Yeah, that makes sense, and especially to me, the the one scene is the one I already described with Tom Cruise's dad saying like, "Oh, I wanted to be a man, um that's why I cheated on, on my wife for all these you know all these years." So yeah, I agree. I agree and, with that, Dave.
0: I, and yeah, no, I, I I that that's one of the reasons why I think that the character, uh, is so fascinating because um. They're playing with that idea, like what what is good. Like in, in a lot of to other folks, like you know, this would be a poster boy in a lot of ways. Like you know, he eats his weedies. He you know goes in the job. Like he always like you know when things get hard, he doesn't turn away. Yada yada. Um, and I, I I just like I think that this the the themes of are just like. I keep on saying the word non-dualism. Like it can be, he can be trying his his best, and he can have qualities that are good. But he, all these characters are exactly that. It is flawed. Like it is incredibly inappropriate for him to ask her out on that date. Um, and like she certainly, and it's the only date he can get. <laughs> and, and it's the only, it's the only date that he can get. Power but dynamics, at, man. At the, yeah, but at the same time, we like. The, the sort of things that he might be able to provide for for Claudia might be the sort of things that that she needs because other people are just you know sleeping with her and not actually interested in the problems because he's he's laying all like all of the things out uh, right in front of her and she's like laying out all the things in front of her as well which is why I just thought it was so interesting like the it's these flawed broken people finding finding each other and i'm not endorsing in any way the asking her out as uh, as a cop uh,
2: no go go ahead sorry um
0: yeah uh and uh, you burped and i have now lost uh, my train of thought but like I, I just thought that like the the way that that whole relationship was was portrayed oh and then at the end uh after the frogs happen uh, and William H. Macy is knocked off of the building and his face is busted and he's not able to return the money um, to his his job. Um, if he really if John C. Riley like was a by the book guy that he's kind of portrayed as in the beginning, then he would have just turned him in. But he was able to make a judgment call there that I think was the, like, the right thing where it's just like, I made a mistake. I'm trying to write this wrong. and he helps him return, the money to the the guys, which I thought um, showed a change of perspective in the character as well
1: yeah, I would agree um yeah. guys
2: i would I think there's actually two sort of magical realism realism um, moments in this in this movie, the first one clearly you know raining frogs, but there's another one that's subtler, and I also want to know what you guys think about and it's when all the characters start singing. A song oh, by that Amy was Mays. so cool, yeah. And everyone starts singing, even the the dad who's on his deathbed and the nurse at the same time. And the beginning, you know, it starts with a girl, I think it starts with a, with Claudia singing, and then you're like, okay, yeah. she's singing, and then every single character starts talking about it. And that, that's when it gets a little, uh, a little trippy, I'd say,
0: yeah. No, I, I love that scene, and uh, that's one of the things I just generally like the like. Yes, you feel the discomfort in a lot of like the characters and where's what is the actual plot, but like the to me I, I like watching his movies you can just kind of feel like the craftsmanship in a lot of these things and you know the experimentation uh you know whether it be long shots or quickly changing in between scenes or uh you know including this musical number I I thought that was a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Um there's more characters. There's more arcs. Uh, I think that we've kind of hit on the things that I wanted to talk about the most. Do you think that we're... Is there anything else that you guys wanted to hit on? Um, uh, before I, we I'm get just in-
1: curious. You uh, you said you
0: didn't like the frogs. I didn't like the frog. Yeah. Well, because I thought the characters without the frogs were... I had... They, they were on track for resolving or uh, interacting with each other in, they were going to resolve their stories. Like it's a three hour long movie and about two hour and 40 minutes in, all of a sudden frogs start falling from the sky. And I was really interested to see like what was going to happen given the information that we've been given for the last two hours and 40 minutes. And then all of a sudden you have you know the um you know this deus ex machina like literally like god or or something uh you know coming in and changing everything however i think that throughout the the conversation i think that um my focus kind of on you know the the redemption thing uh your comments of stuff will happen uh i i think i kind of since that is a a little bit of a that that has been a theme of it i think it is maybe still a little heavy-handed uh but i i think i value it more now that since we've been able to talk about it um than when i was watching it when i was watching it i was like this is insane like this is an absolutely (laughs) crazy thing i was just really excited to see where the movie was going to go without that
2: yeah um,
0: I, I like,
2: as I said, I think I, I really liked a lot of individual scenes, mm-hmm. um, as a whole, I think there were maybe too many scenes, too many characters, you know, I cared about Frankie's dad. That was incredible. I, we cared about Stanley, but then there's Linda who's dating the dad. And I guess it's cool that, uh, you know, she, she's related to all of them and obviously, you know, she mm-hmm. regrets what's happening, but I just think that there were too many characters. So to me it was the cop, Tom Cruise. And then Stanley, that really stood out for me, and I think not at least for me, Hoffman? exactly. Maybe we could have seen a little more of each one of these characters um, in two and a half hours um so I think it to me, it tried to do so much that uh, it kind of lost me, but yeah. that's just me, you know, yeah, and, and, maybe it and be...
0: my 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 kind of rebut to that. Uh, and I, I I am generally an advocate of shorter movies. The reason that I value it being as long as it is is because like not a lot of movies try try something of such a large scope, um, and it feels good for it to like this is in a lot of ways the opposite of the movie that we talked about last week right uh it's the opposite of the green knight in which it really dials in on one character for a very long time whereas this is focusing on so many characters um and with so many more plates in the air um and i i thought that just like i i respect the attempt at something so out of the box um
2: yeah, so much. I I could agree with with that.
0: Yeah, cool. I I would say
1: I like this movie more after discussing it. I would not have watched it otherwise. I still wouldn't say I like it. <laughs> it's like, I agree. It's, but it's I, definitely but not. It's, it's a movie to watch if you like want to have things to talk about and like. Yeah.
2: But it, would dive, you, dive w- into it, I would, say would, it would, would you watch like, it again? in you know, within the next year, I probably wouldn't.
0: I probably won't, but I also don't rewatch a lot of movies. Um, and you also have a podcast to run. Yeah, I got a podcast. I'm very, I'm very busy. No, uh, <laughs> I, I've got. Uh, I would say that I usually end up watching these movies, you know, like once, you know, like once a year. Like, so I'll, yeah. I'll watch Boogie Nights, like you know, like once yeah. every other year or something That's... like that. So that there's like a cadence to it.
2: Yeah. yeah. Is this
0: your favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie? Uh, I don't think I think that um, Boogie Nights achieves something similar yeah. over, um, but rather than it being one day, it's over decades, um, and I think that it it, it succeeds in um, in that.
2: Yeah, I, I haven't seen too many um, too many Paul Thomas Anderson movies like. I still have to see Punch Drunk Love. I've seen The Master, but honestly I was too either I didn't know English enough or I was too young to actually get it. Um, yeah. haven't seen it In Her and Vice. Uh, actually have I, I feel ashamed to say this, but I haven't
0: seen There Will Be Blood. And I, I would say that There Will Be Blood is the one to watch. Yeah, like but I did one. I agree. Uh, oh, you've but seen I it?
2: did love the Phantom Thread. Uh, Wait, you have really or have weird. not
0: seen There Will Be Blood.
2: I have not. I have to. I have to watch it.
0: Yeah, well, I think that we'll watch it at, at some point, and I think yeah. that...
2: Yeah, and we should also watch Phantom Thread, because I, I think you guys
0: would love it. Cool. It's a crazy movie. All Both of those movies have been on my list for a while. All right. So let's go into some of our uh, some of our segments. Um, the question here. Uh, is our our favorite. Uh, would Jim Carrey have been a better fit? I feel like... The uh, Ben. I was thinking about character. this.
1: I was, well, I was thinking about this today. I feel like we should just expand it to would there be another actor or actress who would have been better in this movie? No, 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 no. It has to be Jim Carrey. It has to be Jim
2: Carrey. I think Jim Carrey could have done Tom Cruise's role. Uh, I don't know if he would have done it, but he could have, you know, as well. But I think he could have done 90% of it. I think it would have been a much better co- John C. Riley.
0: Um, really? Maybe. I don't. I don't maybe think no. That Jim I think John C. Riley should have uh, in this movie. All right, get this: Jim Carrey as Phil and Frank and Linda and Earl and mm. Stanley and Donnie and Jim that. and little audience sellers action <laughs> I would watch that. If uh, I, can you imagine jim carrey doing uh everyone it, every everyone um what, what what's that movie uh where it's the the family uh and eddie murphy plays everybody um oh yeah i know exactly oh, uh the naughty <laughs> professor <laughs> yeah exactly i want oh i want god. a nutty professor <laughs> i thought you were going starring... to say like dr strangelove no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> i
1: want the, Guys, nutty should we professor... watch the nutty professor i've never seen it
2: <laughs> oh my god i i don't know if i'm
0: ready for that <laughs> yeah <yet>. i don't know <laughs> um yeah so jim or uh dave so you you can do your stupid segment uh who would be better uh in this movie no i'm just kidding uh it, it um who uh it, it, you were thinking about it so like did, you, did anything pop up and like oh would have been interesting if so and so was uh no, no no jim carrey uh
1: no i just i thought that it was just so obvious that jim carrey was not in this movie that maybe we could expand the discussion to
0: other <laughs> pain, pain people me. Pain i do me think that, that he, he could have done a great job as frank um the um the, the uh, tom
1: cruise yeah yeah i could see that Interesting. Um, that manic energy.
2: Okay. Um, so next segment is would Dave enjoy this movie? And I think, uh, you know, pretty clearly no.
0: <laughs> um. So I think that uh, having watching it, imagining that we hadn't had this conversation, I... Still, don't think that I necessarily would have recommended the movie to Dave, given the um, given his interest in the Green Knight, which has a lot of despicable characters. I think that I expected it, him to like it probably more than this discussion had. Um, so, would I recommend? Would Dave like this movie? no would he appreciate it i think that there's a lot to appreciate about this movie i think he would appreciate it i think that dave should watch there will be blood would he watch it in one sitting never
1: (laughs) i was (laughs) planning on watching it on one sitting however that didn't start until 10 p.m so that's part of why it got split up i think that if i had come in come in with like a better expectation of what it was i would Mm -hmm. have appreciated it more um and I do value that it's like started a lot of conversations to Pablo's point. I do think that like the just quantity and not mm-hmm. necessarily focusing on a few characters made me a little less excited about it, but I do yeah. appreciate it. You I'm not,
2: you're a, right. and I, I do have to confess that I'm not a f- huge fan of these anthology type movies with a lot of characters, you know, the best mm-hmm. one, the whole time ones. where it came out in this call of actually, you know, <laughs> During, I, I do like that anxiety. movie,
0: uh, but talk about men abusing their, uh, their power. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: no, actually, everybody I, I is, like...
0: everybody is somebody's boss in that movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, that a um...
2: very, that is much more deep than this, than Magnolia. And <laughs> okay, uh, stay tuned for, for our next podcast where we talk about it.
1: Well, speaking of love, actually, and other things that you're watching which is generally the next the next segment Mm -hmm. um andrew i know you have watched the rom-com episode of ted lasso
2: no Uh, don't don't talk about we
1: won't talk about it i'll just say i thought that was one of the best episodes of ted lasso and i think you
0: should watch a lot of rom-coms before you watch that episode Mm. i I have been like a little bit hesitant on this uh, season of Ted Lasso because the first one, I, I rewatched the whole first season um, after episode one of season two came out, and I was like, "Oh, I, I just literally kill really you guys." You I'm not gonna spoil anything. anything. We're not gonna uh, say maybe <laughs> I, I, I think that uh, I think that season two um, didn't quite have that same spark, and then uh, the rom com episode, like, I am now fully in. Uh, love the twist at the end. Can't wait for more. Um, so, I, guys, I what are you guys watching? Uh, yes, uh, so I'm. Uh, I'm answering that. Dave already asked me that question. Pop, are you even listening? Are you on the podcast? Um, so, <laughs> so uh, I did that. Um, I last night I see, finished season four of Search Party, um, and that was wild. I was under the impression that this was the last season. And uh I was wrong. So yeah. I was very surprised when it was like, Oh, this is definitely setting up season five. It's um, such a crazy show, right? Yeah. It was interesting. Okay. My my sister texted me, like, hey, what should I watch? And I was like, You should watch you should watch Search Party. And my two sisters watched it together and they were like, We hate it. And <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's yeah. it's like the people in it are really shitty. Um, yeah, and if you can't hang with that, and if you're not, if you don't want to hang out with that satire, then like you're gonna have a bad time. That's um, true. So I did that. Um, I've started playing um, another game because I just play too many games. I've been playing a little bit of Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, I was, just wanted to dip into something else for a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it. It's way too big of a game. It's like an MMO. I don't have time for an MMO. I can't go on quests. I can't go on raids. Like, I got I got a podcast to run. Um, and then also, um, one thing that I, I didn't listen or read, read this week, but um, I do want to mention it, is uh, when I was driving from Tahoe to Texas, I was listening to this book with Caitlin. It's The Stand by um Stephen King and it's Stephen King's attempt to make something of the scale of Lord of the Rings and if you guys liked this movie you would love <laughs> the stand talk about going deep into an ensemble of characters it's like a and it's also very much like a pandemic story um so it definitely hits a lot harder but it's kind of like a people from all across the U S They're, for whatever reason, the one that are surviving this incredibly dangerous pandemic and then sprinkle in a little bit of supernatural. We're all going to go to the same place. Uh, and it is great. Uh, but I listened to like 20 hours of it and I think that we only finished book one of three. So wow. It's a big book. Um, otherwise, yeah, just continue to play the other games and yeah. Nice. How about you, Dave? Do you want to talk about some of the movies that you told us about? Yeah, then... so
1: last week we did this segment and I didn't even talk about the major movie experiences that I had, yeah. uh, which I think that part of the reason this podcast started is because I just don't watch a lot of movies that I should have watched in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and last weekend I watched two movies that were on that list. Uh, one of them was Blade Runner, um, which I enjoyed um i think i was again not expecting what it was Mm -hmm. it was a little bit more noir than i expected and a little bit more like more uh, noir uh, than
2: you expected dude that's a noirist movie of
1: yeah i know i i mean i think that this is a yeah this is a this is one of those movies that i like didn't really know that much about and uh i watched it and liked it um yeah Yeah. and then the other movie was uh the big lebowski uh which i did enjoy um other than not watching that
0: in the early 2000s takes a little bit of the sheen off of it yeah (laughs) um Um,
1: let's see other than that uh we already talked about ted lasso a little bit i won't spoil anything for pablo um but I i haven't really been watching that much stuff recently i would like to download Splunky for the switch but
2: oh so good nice i'll have to do that too um pablo it's my turn so uh i didn't consume a whole of, a whole lot of media this week uh yesterday i watched the girl with the dragon tattoo mm-hmm. the english version with bruni Mara and daniel craig unfortunately i got distracted by a couple things which are uh, not not safe for work <laughs> and um, just kidding and no, this I just boy, nah,
1: it's a good thing this doesn't work
2: I <laughs> know um, uh, no just got distracted didn't really get the plot I have to watch it again uh, and then um, I also have been listening to an album by a band called Big Red Machine uh, that came out last Friday it's really good um, not as good as, as their first one, but this is a great band. It's by, it's a joint, it's like a collaboration project between Aaron Dresner of The National and Justin Vernon from Bon Iver, and you guys oh, know about cool. that. But it's actually really good, um, you know, uh, the the first album was very experimental, uh, a lot of Bon Iver influences, the second album is a little more produced, a lot of, I'd say, more of The National influences, and they have a lot of guest artists. Um, Ben Howard is in it, a really good singer called Anais Mitchell is in it, Mm -hmm. Um, Naeem, uh, Taylor Swift is in two songs uh, as well. Um, It actually works pretty well Um, and yeah, it's a good easy listen, nothing too crazy. Um, What I'm going to watch this week is definitely a lot of Ted Lasso. Good. Um, Other than that, yeah, not a lot of media unfortunately. Um, That's okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: I wanted to mention one more thing that I watched, I, I forgot. Uh, I I need to keep a list because there's things that I do and then I I forget to bring them to the show. Um on Sunday, uh I was terribly tired and I decided between taking a nap uh in the early afternoon and putting on a movie. I was just scrolling through Netflix. And usually I, I hate the process of like just looking through services and finding something. I'm at a point That's now where it's so like bad. there's all of these things that I like to see. I'm just going to get it. Uh, you know, if I it's, it's on a service that I have, great. Um, otherwise, I'm happy to pay like the $4 or whatever to watch it. I watched the 2016 uh, Werner Herzog documentary Into the Inferno. Oh, Um, I've
2: always wanted to watch that. It's about the
0: filming of... Of what Pablo? (laughs) Of Buckles now? Is that what it is? (laughs) Volcanoes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's just (laughs) Werner Herzog just being, like, so nihilistic about, like, all of the things that are around us. The ground is shifting. (laughs) Everything that us humans do are pointless. Yeah. And it's just, like shit we're not and like you're watching he's saying this over like these beautiful like mounds of lava and also explosions destroying cities and it's just like whoa um wow. i don't watch a lot of documentaries that one was good nice. I highly recommend cool I mean, nihilistic germans big lebowski a yeah, mm-hmm. lot to talk about that there all right well, I think that that is everything that we've got. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Please join us on our uh, our Instagram, Movies with Dave Pod. Uh, if you like the show, share it with a friend. Uh, we haven't actually shared it with our friends yet. I'm waiting for a couple more f- episodes to get into the, the pipeline before we more formally share it. Uh and also thank you so much to Matt Gunby who did our intro and exit movie. Uh or sorry, intro and exit music. Uh thank you all so much for joining. I'm Andrew Kramer. <laughs> I'm Dave Spitzfaden
1: and I'm Pablo. <laughs>
0: Wow. Pablo, why did you go out of order?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting to, to you to say that.
0: To say, An- I'm Andrew at the end. <laughs> this is what we do every single time. We do it at the end. We're all the right. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. One last time. I'm Andrew Kramer. I'm Pablo.
1: And I'm Dave Spitzvaden. Thank you all so much.
0: <laughs> okay. Thank you and goodbye. Pablo. Pablo.